Welcome to another episode of Coal Region Campfire. Uh, I know it's been a while, but we are back. Uh, please uh, do not forget about our sponsors, Cackle and Darren March uh, Financial. I actually spoke to him the other day. Uh, but we are here with a uh, Coal Region uh, legend, um, four-star general, uh, General Jalwin. Um, I've been trying to, to get you on, so I, I thank you uh, for, for taking the time to join us. I know you've been a very busy man, especially with everything going on in the world. So. Thanks for taking the time for, for the coal region. Uh, anytime. So we'll get into to, you know, everything that you've, you've accomplished in your life. Um, but I think uh, the, the one question that I have is, you know, at your core, you're an East Sider. So could you tell us what, what makes a good East Sider? Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> no, uh, I grew up on the East Side uh, and uh, it, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, we all played ball together, whether it was football, baseball, basketball, particularly basketball on the on the McAdam Court down at, uh, at Jackson Street. And I mean, it was interesting because you showed up and everybody shot the first five that made the basket from the foul line, one team, next five, and other people were waiting to join in other words, who the winner was. So it was a very competitive, but very tough. They don't care whether you were six or 60. If you could play, you played. Right. And I enjoyed the, uh, the friendships and the competition. And we played many sports together. So it was a, just a good place uh, to grow up. And sports were very high on the list. But so were many different nationalities were there. And uh, you got to know and respect other people from other countries that were there, but now we're all Americans. And so uh, the East Side is a special place for me. And if you're from the East Side, you got you got to be tough, all right. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think uh, you know you you've been all around the world, and and I don't mean this like in, in a joking way, but like how much of, of that stuff growing up in East Side do you, do you apply to like the quote unquote, the real world, when, when, whether you're in Bosnia or NATO or whatever. Yeah, well, you learn values and uh, the value they learned and freedom. You know, we grew up in an area in the greater Schuylkill County area uh, where there were all ethnic groups. I grew up with, uh, I, I'd go to eat the food, but I'd get Polish American day, Lithuanian day, Ukrainian day. And you're Lebanese, and was, correct? I'm Lebanese and we had, uh, good Lebanese food, uh, and it was, it was family. It was togetherness, your own family, but the larger family of the community. And uh, when I was in Vietnam, people from Pottsville supported me. My wife from Morrisburg, her church, Protestant, I'm Catholic, sent me uh, uh, that big tin of Bachman pretzels. So it was a, uh, it was a good, uh, good place, good friendships, good values. And my grandfather was very proud and from, that he was from Pottsville. And he told me that uh, family is what is very important. And your own family and the larger family, Pottsville family, very important. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're alike in one way. We both married Blue Mountain Girls. So, uh, you know, it's possible that. So. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're tough. They're tough. No, they, they're wonderful. She'd been all, all over the world. We've raised three beautiful girls and now have eight grandchildren. And uh, 
One of them down in Philadelphia, just you know, 28 basketball games, she's in high school basketball games in a row. They just started in district. I got another one out at Regis College in, uh, in, in uh, Denver. And he's a freshman, I got, got him on the baseball team and he's his freshman year. He had a grand slam home run the other night. So oh, wow. these, these, are, these are things that mean a lot, let me tell you, impossible. That growing up with sports has been uh, very special, and I'm delighted my grandchildren do the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think the one thing, you know, when I was doing, I kind of go through the old newspapers, and the one thing that I've kind of noticed with you is that you've always had success, whether it be, you know, sixth grade basketball, um, you had an identical twin brother, correct? And Not identical. He, oh. he was left-handed, I was right-handed. Yeah, that's what the article said. The only way you could tell him apart is give him a basketball. If you you could figure out who dribbled with well, what hand. If you read that article, that was when I was, I think, sixth grade. Sixth or grade, like yeah, ja yeah, Jackson, right? Jackson, and I took that article and gave it to my daughter that's playing, just won 28 or 29 games, and she has a twin brother. Oh. And I said... Yeah, and she reflected on that. Just shooting lights out. She's making three point uh, shots as a as a as a junior in high school and uh, knows the game. And so they're going on to district, and uh, I wish them well. Now, uh, did you like uh, your basketball and football star? Was there a sport that you liked better? I uh, I just like to play sports. I mean, yeah. I never really chose one over the other. It just was. You know, at a certain time of year, you play football, and then you play a, sort of a, a baseball, and then you play uh, basketball in the fall. And uh, I played on a great team from Port Carbon, the firehouse over there, sponsored Citizens Firehouse. Oh, and that's what that's that's the the team sponsored us. We played up, and they had a field up. Uh, so Citizens in Port, not in Pali. In Palo Alto. Uh, oh. Wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm a lot of citizens people listen to this, so you, you, we got to make sure we get this right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be banned here. <laughs> I think I think it was Palo, Palo, Palo Alto, but I, I'm not sure. There was a Stromero subshot I, I went to. I think I think that was in Port Carbon. Uh, but, but great people. I mean, great people, and they, we got jerseys, and they and I still have some pictures of uh, of my time with uh, with citizens. Yeah, I, I saw too. You had a, a tying basket against uh, Schuylkill Haven back, uh, I think, '57. I'm old. I'm old. All right. Um, so we, but we had, yeah, it was, I, I don't know if, what, what uh, team it was, but uh, now and then I'd make a shot. You guys, I noticed you guys had very weird socks. It was like the striped socks up to your, up to your knees uh, during that time. Now, now <laughs> football. Um, <clears throat> One uh, note, like connection that I thought was was incredible was you had found the military academy, the interest in the military academy through uh, talking to the reporter, Walter Farquhar. Um, at least that's what I read. And yeah. for those who don't know, Walter Farquhar actually covered the, the Pots and Maroons when he was younger. So the, your connection to the Pots and Maroons. So what was that about that relationship that kind of interest got well, you? Well, he, he had a, I was a young kid and he had a great interest that I found out later in the military and he he uh, would tell me 
the military history of Pottsville and that I was going to be part of that as a young officer. Went to Vietnam. He, uh, he wrote about that. He interviewed me when I came back. It was a great picture. And uh, I rented a house on the east side for my wife to stay in. And, uh, ended up by two of my children. And he came up and took a picture of, uh, of, uh, of the family. And he, he predicted that you were going to go on and do something. <laughs> what he predicted happened. But his pieces about Pottsville and Schuylkill County and the coal region, to me, were inspirational. They talked about the role of the military heritage in Pottsville and Schuylkill County. Uh, you know, and I wrote about it in the book about the, the, the pride they all felt from the Revolutionary War through World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, people from Pottsville participated and were with Washington at Valley Forge, et cetera. So that lineage was very important. And I, I mentioned about my cousin Paul, who served in Germany in World War Two with uh, the United States Army and was captured and escaped. So there was a lot of, of, uh, of great feeling to me in my Grandfather, I was a cadet at West Point, invited me back, or, I, or they told me to come back. He was dying. He was 93 years old. And I was, came back in my uniform, the cadet uniform, and he said uh, he was very proud that one of his grandsons was going to serve this country that had made great opportunity work for the family and all of those that are, that are still here. And he said, it's very proud of you. The next day he passed away. So it was a moving. Sure. And I never forgot those words. Now, was it always uh, West Point or did you think about going to the Naval Academy or the Air Force? Well, I had offers from both the Army and the, and the Air Force Academy, uh, not the uh, I mean, Army and Naval Academy, not the Air Force Academy. <laughs> a bunch of offers. People were coming around and my coach Bosick up at the at the at Pottsville High, we try to sort some of them out for me, but they wanted to come in my house. They wanted me to get out, talk to them in the car. It was very, uh, but I, I, I decided on West Point because when I went there and it was Major Nicholson who was at the Penn State uh, here in, in Pottsville, uh, he, he was the uh, ROTC guy here, but he, said, the uh, rest called, wrote a letter to West Point, West Blanc, right, Blake, you should interview me. And so I did go up there and it was very moving. You know? Blake said to me, if you come here, your first mission is to graduate and become an officer in the army, not football. I mean, 40 other coaches talked to me, no one mentioned that. That the first part at that time, football. Army football was a was a huge deal. I mean, you big know. deal, big deal. And uh, my crowning, well, I mean, we were. I was not that successful. My two years, last two years, when I started against Navy, they had a guy named Bellino, who was a hell of a player. And uh, but we we we, we beat uh, Syracuse, who was number one in the nation, I believe, the year before. They got had a guy named Ernie Davis. The Elmira Express. We yeah, beat him 9-6 in Yankee. <laughs> we beat him 9-6 in Yankee Stadium. So it was 
And I go back to the Maroons, you know, <laughs> they, they had quite, what a tough, they had a tough legacy here of, uh, you play tough, hard football, you don't make any excuses, go out there and fight. But at the end of the game, you leave it all on the field. Yeah. So, so that's how I was brought up. And I think it helped me and some of the people I had to face across the enemy lines here that there's there's no BS. You know, if you want to fight, you've come to the right place. So now I noticed, uh, you, you know, you were first team all state as a center uh, at, at Pottsville uh, High. And uh, I, I was taking a look at that whole uh, second team was um, Ed Sherrockman from St. Clair, who, who you played later at Pitt. Uh, but the third team running back that year, I don't know if you know that, was uh, Herb Adderley, the uh, Hall of Fame uh, running back from uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, that was, uh, and I was privileged to get in inducted into the Pennsylvania Athletic Hall of Fame. And uh, it, was for, it included Phillies guys, it included the basketball players, it included the Eagle guys, and all over the state, Penn State, Pitt. And it was a great gathering, uh, and uh, they inducted me into that. And I reflected on all the people that came from our part of the of, of the of the state. So yeah, Schrockman, uh, he 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 played. I think it was he played for Pitt. They also had a guy named Ditka on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, Mike Ditka. Uh, oh. I, I think too. You know, when you went to to the military academy, you for West Point for Army. You were a two-way player, and I, and I don't think anything embodies the coal region more than being a, a two-way player. And uh, the article I read when you, I think you tied pit 7-7, you actually intercepted Ed, Ed Sherrockman. Uh, I but felt the, good. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, and, and Dick, uh, and, um, but the, the, actually the announcer I read made an announcement at 44 minutes that you still haven't come off the field. Um, and I think that really kind of embodies the whole you know, we all leave the area for, you know, whether it be a long time or a short time. And I think there is that sense of pride of coming from the coal region that maybe we're not the most talented, but we're, we're going to outwork you and kind of just, you're not going to knock us out. And I think, uh, I think you embody that more than any, anything. Um, it, uh, and it stays with you. you know? mm -hmm. And so you, by the way, by the way, it wasn't, I hate to, I don't want to brag here. It wasn't just two ways, four ways, because I oh, played. all the special teams? All the special teams. Oh, okay. The kickoff team, the long snapper on punts and extra points. So, you know, I stayed in there a long time. And it was, that was, I didn't think it was a hardship. I, that's, I just liked to play. And uh, that carried over, I think, into my military career as well. What did you... What did you realize, like, whether it be in high school or middle school, that, you, you know, you, you had the talent to, to maybe do that or, or do bigger things? Was there any, any specific incident where you're like, No, okay. there was nothing, nothing really it, uh, it came to, not to a degree of surprise. Uh, uh, the other thing that I'm still getting comments uh, from grandfathers now, we have sons that made the Big 33 team. Right, yeah, you were I, Big 33. On the first team that made Big 33, I believe it was 1956 or 56 or 57. Uh, and uh, that grew from a little portrait they took out of my the yearbook to, uh, I mean, it was a huge, it still is, I guess, a huge operation. And I came back for one of their banquets and uh, spoke 
and I sat next to an assistant coach from Penn State, and they were pointing out how many with of the big 33 were going to Penn State, particularly linebackers and linemen. So, right. Uh, so I, uh, so when we played Penn State, it was uh, it was a big deal. And how was it playing? I mean, you mentioned Yankee Stadium before. I mean, how was that atmosphere playing there in the, in the unbelievable, 60s? unbelievable? And you know, it, it was a sellout crowd, and uh, it it became more so. And I have some of the pictures here because I kept them. Uh, Sports Illustrated came, and and they smelled an upset. And you know, Syracuse is number one in the nation the year before, and so they took a lot of pictures of us going down to the gate in West Point with uh, all the cadets following and cheering, and uh, and we went to the field and on the field they would take they took about I kept about ten pictures that depicted the whole game, and it was. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It took one of my, I lost 10, I didn't weigh much to begin with, but I lost about 10 pounds in that game. I played some 50 some minutes. Jeez. And, and they took a picture of me coming back. And it was, uh, I was sort of bent over because it was a tough game. And we, we were in the Giants locker room. And that's where we, that's where we were in Yankee Stadium. And uh, there was, a, I forget who the great running back was time for the Giants and was I, I was in his locker was that Clifford Clifford yeah. yeah I was in his locker oh wow and, uh, I didn't know that until the picture came out and I bent over trying to change and I saw the name up there and I I you know it's uh it's those things that you remember about the game the score was important but I was uh, it was it was so I was played such a long time in that game they came to pick the cadets get down on the field because they swarmed the field and we were underdogs and they tried to carry me off. I, I couldn't, I, I, I'd fall off. So you leave it all on the field. Now, after I get to, uh, you know, after we move on to the next phase after college, you know, I, I love going through the old newspaper articles. I, I saw uh, your nine-year-old birthday party for you and your brother actually made the paper and had all the invitees. So it must've been a, a heck of a party. So. <laughs> It's amazing all this, uh, the street, you know, all the stuff they reported on back then. Everything was kind of new. Everything uh, they had. Uh, I, I had a great picture of my father and mother and four sisters at my 16th birthday. It was at the Nickel Allen Hotel. Well, it still was sure hotel. And uh, and so it, all of those things make Pottsville very, very special. And be from the east side, you've got to be tough, you see. Yeah. And so with that. I, I I carried that all through my career. You understood you you not only you played a good game, uh, but you tried to win, and that to me was very important. I tried to do that in Bosnia, and uh, I wish we had a better track record going into Ukraine. But it's a uh, it's it's a tough one. It's a it's a tough. Uh, when you're dealing not in all-out war, but you're dealing in the fringes of war, mm -hmm. but a lot of people's lives are at stake. And what we stand for in this country, in the county, in Pottsville, and in NATO, is democracy, freedom, and the things that I enjoyed growing up that I, I would fight for other people to grow up, not in bombs and, and, and uh, everybody, people dropping bombs on them, 
but they have uh, the freedom to to uh, of religion, freedom to to worship as they please, and they they live in a democracy. Freedom is very important. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and we'll get to that because you know I don't. NATO has probably never been more in the news than, than it is now, especially with the 24-hour news cycle, and, and you know that better than anybody. Um, when, when you graduated, you know, in another word, you went to, to Vietnam, um, and I couldn't find the article, but I believe, uh, you know, yeah, you got a bronze uh, medal there. Um, one of the battles there was actually covered in the New York Times on the front page. Uh, from, from what I read, I couldn't actually find the article. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but what is it, wh what's the key in terms of keeping your head when you're in the middle of, of, of complete chaos like that? I mean, what, what, well, what I, do you do? Yeah, well, it's, you know, you develop these over, over the years. And uh, I was fortunate to be captains of sports teams, uh, Football, basketball, baseball, and you 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 talk about a team and how do you put a team effort out there? And in in warfare, you have bigger teams, but the idea of being uh, clarity in terms of what it is you're all about and why we're fighting, people have to understand that. Uh, I, I don't think we understand it sort of too well in, in Vietnam. Uh, and I can I back from that saying, what the hell, the, what, what were we doing here? Where is the clarity in terms of the mission, et cetera? And very honest with you, I don't think we're headed in Iraq. Uh, I, I, I tried to say, uh, <clears throat> where's the clarity here? And I would always fight for that. And if you, if you understand in the book, I, I went to great lengths. When I had to go into Rwanda, I asked uh, the Secretary of Defense, What's my mission? And I said, it's to go after the rebels that killed all the people as a humanitarian. He said, humanitarian. So I wrote on the board down at my headquarters in Stuttgart, stop the dying. That's the mission. And so we front loaded water purification units. So it was cholera that was killing a hell of a lot of people. Uh, and so I fought for that. And every mission that I was given throughout my career, what is the clarity? And when I didn't get it, I'd fly back to the United States and even talk to the president of the United States in order to get that clarity. And uh, I normally did. Yeah, so you, you, you were this Southern Command officer, right, for a couple of years? Uh, and you were based in, was it Florida? Is that where you were based in? No, Florida? Panama. In Panama, okay. In Panama, it's now in, in Florida. Okay, okay. And then, uh, you know, then you were the Supreme Allied Commander uh, Europe uh, for NATO um, under, under Clinton, right? 93 to 97? Yes. Now that, and that, you know, Dwight Eisenhower had that position. How does it, I mean, when you think about just the, the long, rich history of the United States, how, what's that feeling of having your name on the same job that Dwight Eisenhower had? Well, it, it's a... It's, uh not only flattering, but it makes you very responsible for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And when I, I, I read a book by Eisenhower about World War II, and uh, the toughest thing he had was to get unity of command. That, uh, he had all these different nations, particularly the Brits. Uh, and so 
he said if he had saw one thing that he wished he had was early on unity of command. So speaking with one voice to all these nations that have joined him. And so we went into Bosnia. I, I took a Russian brigade into Bosnia and I told them one unity of command, that's me. And I and I said, if you, if you don't like that, we'll part friends and you go back. But if you're going to join the team, 30 some nations, 60,000 strong are going in there to demonstrate commitment and resolve by the Alliance to protect lives, uh, then, you know, leave now with the part friends. But if you come into this, you got to understand it. So he brought his minister of defense down. He said he didn't understand that. So I had to explain it to him again. And they 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 did it. They were not bad officers. Uh, they just little clarity in terms of what we're trying to do. Yeah. So now you went, you did one tour of Vietnam too, and then you, you came sure. out, and then and then you went back, right? Like to what, like three or four years later. Uh, yes, I went back as a uh, went in first time as right out of I was I don't know what, twenty two years old. Uh, then I went back in as uh, as a captain uh, and uh, a major, and uh, it was. I'm trying to think of the time frame here, but it was two tours in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get uh, like when you're the what was I called it? This am I saying this right? This the Sacur, the Supreme Sacur. Yeah. So when you're to Sakur, where where are you based for to be the head of NATO? Well, uh, we're in Belgium, a okay. town called Mons, M-O-N-S. Uh, the political headquarters was in Brussels. The military headquarters was in uh, was in M-O-N-S, Mons, and uh, I, I commanded uh, I commanded with two units in Germany, the Third Armored and the First. Uh, Third Infantry and the First Armored, both those divisions in World War II liberated Belgium. So wow. uh, it was it was very interesting talking to the Belgians of their respect for the American Army, in particular for those two units. Now, I mean, with such responsibility, and especially with you know with, with conflict, I mean, do you sleep in that position? I mean, how, how do you kind of keep well, a, a normal quote unquote normal life when you just have so much responsibility? I, you know, I, I you know, you, 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 if you want the job, you, you got to understand the responsibility, but you got to accept the responsibility that you're going to, when I was a platoon leader, uh, I had about 30 or 40 troops under my command. When I was free my life, well, one of the Corps commander, that's three stars, I had 30,000, 300,000, excuse me, in my command and a NATO commander with with all the at that time 16 countries uh, with, with all the NATO air land and sea billions so you accept that responsibility for every one of those troops air land sea special forces and uh, and you train to standard you train just like in a football game or a basketball or a baseball game Training is important, and you have a standard that you go through, and everybody gets that standard, and you have a uh, then a higher probability of success, and that includes less people getting killed. Now, you, you were a four-star. Do they still 
appoint four-star generals or is that something they don't do often now? Oh, they, no, they still do it. And there's okay. a current SACUR. I, I was, I said I was number one, I was number 11. And I think they're probably up to 18 or 19 now. But okay. that position means a great deal, I, uh, I found out to Europeans. SACUR, and there was an attempt at one time to do away with the title. The Europeans said no, because they understand that is, that, is, that is very important. I found that out when I made my rounds uh, initially to all the 16 countries. Uh, the, the Queen of uh, yeah, Queen Beatrice, I think she was probably of the, of, of, was either Netherlands or, or Belgium. She said how much that your position, Sakura, meant to Europeans. And uh, she told me then what I should be thinking of. So I, I, I was very uh, blessed to be able to uh, have those high positions of responsibility and bring about success, whether it was in the short term in Vietnam or in Panama, fighting the drug lords in particular, or in Europe, trying to bring uh, stability to, to Europe. And, and I was there when the Berlin Wall was going up and I was there when the Berlin Wall came down, 1961 to 1989. And I was in the fold the gap. It's a very precious piece of terrain that we had to hold where the, where the Red Army was supposed to come barreling through. And uh, we were able to bring peace to that country. Now, you know, you mentioned the, like uh, the warlords in like Panama, was that like Pablo Escobar, that kind of stuff or? Well, we, uh, Pablo Escobar was the one we went after, but I wanted to make sure the Colombians we could train them, we could brief them, we could fly them, we could, all of that. But the takedown, I wanted to be Colombians. If not, we'd still be there. And so I, I did that throughout Latin America to make sure that, that, that the, the, the national police or the, or the uh, troops would actually get, uh, do it, but be trained to do it. And mm -hmm. so, we had special forces guys. I said, you could train them, you could fly them, you could give them intelligence, but the takedown, if there is one, would be done by the Columbia. And there's a long story about it. When all that happened, uh, the fellow, the, the, the head of the National Police said that really they found him on the roof. Yeah. Of, uh, of, and, and, uh, and one of his, the National Guard of Columbia, National Police took him down. And, uh, and so when he saw me, he was getting the Congressional Medal of Honor or Congressional Medal, and he saw me back there, he came through, and wrapped his arms around me, and he said, Thank you. That's a great deal. I could imagine. I, I mean, just the amount of history that you've been a part of, it, it's, just, it's really mind boggling to even wrap your head around. <clears throat> well, I tried to write it in this book, which. Uh, which uh, 400 people that I know got copies of when I was up there in, uh, I think it was in May. Oh, at the, at the Historical Society, right? Yeah. yeah. I was trying to get it there. Yeah. And, there. and it, it tries to go through all this, particularly a lot on, on Pottsville and the values I had growing up with my grandfather, all of that, and, uh, uh, and a little bit on the Maroons. And I didn't, I realized that the Maroons then went 
to Boston. Yep. And then they went to Washington. Yeah. And so the Pottsville Maroons became uh, the Washington Redskins and now the Washington Commanders, I the guess. Commanders. And uh, that lineage, I wish they'd recognized it here in Washington, but they, you know, they won the, the title. Yeah, people were hoping they would have they would have went back to the Maroons name. That would have been neat, right? I, would, I, I was all for it, but here we are. Now, okay. The um, you know, you've been in these incredible positions of, of leadership and you know, especially today, like, you know, do you think a, a leader is is born or do you think just through like if you look at look at Zelensky I don't, I don't know if he was a natural born leader but he rose to the occasion right now you know and it's like is, so do you think it's just everyone's kind of presented with these opportunities to lead or, or be bigger well I think uh when the time comes you stand up and you're counted here you say you know I got the responsibility but if the more training you have the more background you have and particularly if you got to love your country and, mm -hmm. and you got to love your country and you got to say, uh, this is what we're all about. This is what we're fighting for. That's why it's heartbreak, heart wrenching for me to see what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, they just bombed a maternity ward. It's awful. And, and, and you see that, that fires me up to, to say, uh, you know, we, I watched the, 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 the Russians in, in the Cold War. And as I said, I was there. I, I went to Berlin as a lieutenant, second lieutenant. My first assignment was in Schweinfurt, Germany. But I went up to Berlin right when the wall was being built. And it was mind-boggling because there were hundreds of the white crosses and flowers where people had been killed trying to get across the, what was being built, the barbed wire, they were getting stuck in the barbed wire and they were getting killed and the, a, a white cross was placed for, and I said, as this I was, what was I, 21, 22? I said, this is why we are here. And I carried that through till 1989. And I was now a Corps commander, three-star in the famous Folder Gap when uh, my cavalry scouts called me and he said, they're gonna open the, the Iron Curtain and Berlin Wall. I think it was like the 9th of November and uh, I couldn't believe it. So um, the wall really, the, in my area, the, they opened it up at a town called Eisenach in uh, November 11th. Veterans Day. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. It used to be in Pottsville. Yeah, right. And so I went up there. And I couldn't believe it. That hundreds of people pouring across the border, all ashen. They, they, they had a, a vitamin deficiency or something. And uh, like what I saw in Berlin, uh, two soldiers came to see me and. Uh, I'm now a Lieutenant General and these guys came up, they were in our Humvee and they were, they said, sir, we were caught in a stow. A stow in Germany is a traffic jam. This is on the other side of the border. Right. And, and or, or along the border. And he said, we sat, they didn't want to put, I hadn't put all their guns inside. So the, he's, 
these Germans don't see us, their arms are gonna shoot them. And they said uh, to them, uh, get out of there, Trabis, these are these sort of lawnmower engines of this small little cars, Trabants. They came out, come over to the Humvee, which is a military vehicle, they're patrolling the border, hugged them and thanked them for their freedom. Let me tell you, uh, just like I said in Berlin when I was second lieutenant, these soldiers said to me, sir, now we know why we're here. Uh, it's a, it a great uh, point in, the, in, in where we were in, in the army in Europe and 14 million soldiers, they came back and forth and uh, we prevailed without firing a shot, without losing one soldier. And so you set the right conditions and we had set the right conditions. We had remained resolute. We got to do that now. We're facing, we're seeing the bear unleashed now in Russia. Mm -hmm. This guy is... Uh, uh, yeah, how much different is he from the from the warlords you, you went in Panama? I mean... Or, or he was, you know, uh, they, are, they had these thugs in, in, in Russia then, and they were intimidating. They had, there is no, no regard for human life. And when they, and what got me was when I saw the television this morning of what they did to that maternity board and hospital, we don't tolerate that. You see, that, that ought to be a red line. And uh, that's why I'm, I've noticed that I first time I was interviewed when the start of this war in Ukraine, I talked about a no-fly zone. Oh, we can't do that. I had that in Bosnia. I also had it in Bosnia. I was trying to get my head around it. What we called, and that's what I'm going to try to recommend this morning or this afternoon, a exclusion zone. Uh, and it was the UN because of when, when all the killing took ethnic cleansing in Bosnia, they put a, 12, a 20 kilometer exclusion zone around Sarajevo where a lot of it was going on. And that meant no heavy weapons firing out or no one firing in. And later, Garajda, which is another a free area for, for refugees, they were shelling the hospital there, just like we're seeing now. And uh, they were shelling it, the Serbs were shelling it. And uh, uh, later, the, it, we went back to the uh, United Nations, and they made a 20-kilometer exclusion zone around all these areas. In today's war, around Kiev, around Odessa, around Mariupol, Put the, that's what I'm going to recommend this afternoon, that we at least try to get the UN, 200 plus nations, together to say we cannot tolerate this uh, as the United Nations, as United Nations, mm -hmm. and see where that goes. But you cannot. This is uh, makes my blood boil. Put yeah, my helmet I, 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 I guess that was my next question is, you know, how, I mean, you're not, you know, obviously, you, you know, retire from that position, but how hard is it watching this when this would have been what you were doing, you know, in 93, 97? I mean, we wanted to prevent this. That's the key. Uh, deterrence is a, a, a very good form, but it takes all our elements of power, military, economic, uh, diplomatic, and 
political. All those you got to put together to create the best conditions for success, as I call it. And to, to prevent this sort of, you have to put a red line there. But if anytime you draw the red line, if it gets crossed, you got to enforce it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so. I like to think of things in like simple terms and it's just kind of like, you know, Putin's this bully on the, uh, on the schoolyard that, you know, I, everyone's a little afraid of, but I feel like, I mean, you got to step, you got to step up to them. I don't, I don't know. It seems. That's why these exclusion areas are going to be not by NATO. It would be the UN saying, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know, 200 plus nations are saying, right. and that's a, a marker. If you put that marker there, at least I think it could help and maybe stop this nonsense that's going on. Not nonsense. It's, it's war crimes. It's, and, it's uh, awful. And I, you know, I was very pleased that we put Milosevic and his henchman Mladic uh, in the in the International Tribunal at the Hague for war crimes. And Putin is in that same category. How how uh, you know again, just for the average person at home, you know, I'm watching the news. It's just I hear about the war crime. Like, does Putin even care about that? Like, fine, charge him with war crimes, or is that just like what? What's the, what's the, what's the mission for that in terms of? Well, I, first of all, you gotta you gotta start. I mean, what he's doing are absolutely it's horrendous. I mean, it's war it's crimes, horrendous. and and that's what uh, Milosevic and his henchmen Mladic were doing with tanks and ethnic cleansing, etc. So you know. But if you're going to take a stand, you've got to be able to, if they cross the line, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And uh, our line is now drawn around the NATO nations. And I said when this war started that, uh, in my guess, if, if, he, if he continues and he'll, he's going to try to get all the, what we call the Warsaw Pact countries back together again. And uh, so uh, I, I think either stop them now or you're going to, you're going to have a bigger fight later on in another yeah country. i think so i don't think this is going to stop you know if he's you let him... got this bit in his mouth and i i just think uh, and chernobyl was to me uh, a red line when he went in is now occupying it yeah right he shot it up and this can this can be horrendous which Awful. if that's not a war crime i don't know what the hell is and so you know, did, you ever, met, did you ever meet him in his early days? No, I, I met one of Brezhnev and uh, Gorbachev and uh, yeah, I had a, one that I became close to was the Minister of Defense, Gorbachev, and he sent me a three-star to be my liaison in shape for the Russian element in Bosnia. Uh, and so we, we created a very good, I thought, relationship and mm -hmm. uh so i i'm uh, i'm concerned that if this thing gets out of hand the other nations are concerned i would have i mentioned i would have had a no-fly zone from the very beginning and there are, are interesting ways to do it i said that they should take out this was the beginning of the first day they should be take out that convoy coming down with they have good javelins, take out every fifth vehicle and bottles them up and slows them down. And by the way, I found 
during my time in Europe, where I went on exercises uh, that had in, in, with, uh, with uh, the Soviet Union, East Germany, et cetera, for confidence building measures, they are not disciplined soldiers. They are not. They shot and, and wounded. They shot up a, a, a vehicle that was plainly marked and, uh, that they shot him up, wounded one guy uh, in Berlin. And I had to go, as I was a major general then on Heidelberg, I had to go express our displeasure and don't happen again. It was when, when Schultz was meeting with the Russian counterpart uh, on strategic arms imitation talks on INF, intermediate range nuclear weapons. And, and so I went to, to see this, uh, this Russian general and we had a, a tough talk. I call a Pottsville type talk with the guy. Hmm. <laughs> and, and he agreed. He said, fine, couldn't believe it. He agreed, told me I had little cards made that when we encountered their days on mission for confidence, we would, we would not shoot them up. And uh, so he said, come have lunch with me. So I, we went to their club and had lunch. And so I said to him, uh, you know, we're trying to make small talk. I said, uh, you're a Russian. He said, one like they said, I'm not Russian, I'm Ukrainian. Mm. And, uh, and the food was Ukrainian, the wine was Ukrainian, the waitresses that, that were Ukrainian, and they had pictures of Ukrainian getting their freedom, I forget what date it was. So that rang, that, that comes back to me now when I look at what the Ukrainians are going through. These are proud people. We knew them and we know them in Schuylkill County. Yeah, the St. Nicholas uh, Ukrainian Festival, right? Out there. Yeah. Um... yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just hope that uh, we understand what we fought for during the Cold War. We're fighting for it now. We're we're the we're we're the we're, we're in the center of all of this, and we cannot falter. Mm -hmm. We've got to stay resolved, and people have got the, the American people, and particularly in Schuylkill County and Pottsville. Yeah, got I've noticed here people. I mean, I I, I saw something the other day that uh, <laughs> Cass Township has the highest percentage of Ukrainians uh, in the entire country. Um, that so, Frackville, I think Frackville's up there with them too. Yeah, Frackville. I mean, that whole uh, area, that whole area, and they're good, solid Americans, and they're, they're they're Ukrainians, but they are good, solid Americans, and they're serving well in the military. And uh, my heart goes out to them when, when we see the yeah, it's 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 senseless killing. Well, that's what you deal with. We deal with the fuck, and you got to really say. You know, boom, if you, if you continue to do it, this is what's going to happen. And uh, I, I think that uh, going to the UN and, and getting exclusion or exclusion zones 20 kilometers around a build up area city and uh, no firing in there, no firing out, no firing in. And uh, I hope that takes root. Now, do since uh... Do, do people still, I'm sure, as a, as, a, as a former, you know, Supreme Allied Commander, are you, is your expertise still called upon a lot? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if a lot, but I'm. I, but when called upon, I'll give the advice, and uh, the same with this. Uh, the news media. I've tried to stay away from that because uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to. Yeah, pick one side or another. I get it. Or or, or you know, second guess the. the of course. Or I think, but uh, I, I do. We did have some sets in this, not. No fly zone. I think that would be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. But an exclusion zone imposed by the UN and tell NATO to enforce it would be excellent. I'm going to try mm -hmm. that out this afternoon when I on CNN and see see what see what it takes. Well, I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be watching. I'll be tuning in. Now I know you have to go soon. I two two last questions. How many U.S. presidents and world leaders have you met? Do you have like a tally? I mean. I, I I met I met everyone in Europe and we you know I don't know how many countries are in Europe. There were nineteen or twenty in the Caribbean and uh, Latin America, uh, and uh, had some in Rwanda and Africa, and include the Middle East. And, and you've and, met uh, every uh, U.S. president since what Nixon? I've served for every since since uh, Kennedy was my first one. Okay. And, and uh, and I, I I marched in the inauguration of Kennedy when I was a senior at West Point. Oh first wow! Class. And uh, and uh, he he had some this some great uh, the MacArthur speech at West Point is duty honor country is one we all heard about. Kennedy gave a very good speech. At West Point to talk about the future, and he was right on the mark about what was going to happen, and and so those those times are very important. And I've uh, I've, I've been very close to uh, in the Nixon. I, I, Haig was there, and Haig was we shared a foxhole together in Vietnam, and we got shelled, and he pulled me out, and I was dazed and groggy. He asked for them to come down. He was called into the White House during Watergate and said, uh, called me and uh, they called me three times and his friend, his colonel did. And I, I said, look, I'm, I'm settled here at West Point. I just got back from my second tour. My wife is eight months pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, calls me. He says, I need you. So, you know, the military, that means, yeah, when you have those shared experiences, it's very hard for us. So I saluted, we're down there. He said, just get me settled in. And so I got him settled in the White House. He said, you're gonna stay here and we're gonna see this thing through no matter which way it goes, but led to the resignation of the president. And, uh, and, and uh, Haig, I thought, did a, did a super job in trying to manage all of that. And what else was going on? In the, country and the world, much of it fell to me. And uh, yeah, you suck it up and you, you do the best you can. And uh, I learned a lot from a guy named Kissinger who, who, who came into my little office off the chief of staffs at the White House at the West Wing. He sat down waiting again to see Hague. And he said to me, you know, I've been in the army. So I said, well, when? He said, World War II. He said, I came across the beach 
uh, in Normandy, and he was a uh, private spec for, and he he said I went all the way up to the to Aachen. He got a he got a I think he got a bronze star for liberating a country or a city. He had a loudspeaker and said all German soldiers come out, and we're not going to touch the, the city. He got a bronze star, and he remembered all of that. So later, when I was sacked here, I had him come over to speak. And I introduced him. And I said, this told this thing to the audience of hundreds of generals and ambassadors. And I introduced him. I said, he went, he got promoted from a private to a sergeant. And so when his time came up, he said, Sakuri, he said, let me tell you, it wasn't sergeant, it was sergeant first class. So that's another stripe he put that. Oh, okay. He's very proud of that. Very proud of that. So uh, I, I, I really admire him. And we sort of, we stayed sort of close. Uh, right. And uh, we're all getting older, but he still has, he still has Our the smart to say, how do you, uh, and we need people like that. And that's why I'm staying around. So you know, they got experience. And what do you do? And I'm going to float this idea of exclusion zones, where you put a circle around a country and the, and the UN says, stay out, or it's a war crime. We should right. be doing that now. How, uh, so you had an office, I didn't know you had an office in the, in the White House. How, uh, how accurate is the portrayal in the West Wing show? Is that, is that how it looks like or no? Yeah, it's, I, I didn't watch much, much of it, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the guy playing the president is a superhero, you know? So yeah, right. Like, like the Ukrainian president. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it was fairly authentic. But I, I, I go on to the next, uh, not, not well in the past. You, you yeah. learn from the past, but you look forward to the present and the future and uh, take lessons learned from many people, from the president, from from Kissinger and people like that. Hey, I, I've been blessed to be have great commanders, and I try to reflect on all of that, the commands I've had. And uh, also for, for all the DHH Langle uh, students, <laughs> uh, uh, you're related to uh, uh, Mentora Gallagher, our favorite uh, Spanish teacher. Uh, she is a great, uh, great American and a great cousin. And Absolutely. She, and she, uh, but she's tough. She's tough. Oh yeah. <laughs> but she is, and, and uh, I, I've been very much impressed with her, what she's done for the city, and how proud she is of the city as I am. And, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, she's, and she married the superintendent Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, she, she did well. well. They both did well. Now, uh, last question: When you come home. And you get pierogies or something. Do you put ketchup on them or no? <laughs> I get a lot of flack because I put ketchup on my pierogies. Well, you should get a lot of flack. But uh, the best thing, I mean, pierogies is one thing, but Angelucci's subs, I think it was in Port Carbon. I don't know if it's still there anymore. It's so, not, but it sounds good. Oh, it was wonderful. And Mickey's, which was a place oh, Mickey's, in, yeah, yeah. on the east side, it's so closed now. With those were meeting places. And uh, again, there's a lot of bonding that went on over food, 
uh, Mickey's would, would sort of hang out, sort of like, I forget what that show was uh, in, in, on television, but it was, it was sort of like that. So, was it green back then, Mickey's? It's like the outside was green when I was growing up, but I wasn't uh, sure. It's closed now. Okay. Well, I mean, like even in the nineties, uh, it was, I think it was green. I was, I was always wondering if that's the way color it always was. I, I don't know. Mickey and his uh, brother and uh, his sister, they ran it. And you get a hamburger, I think it was for a quarter. You get a milkshake. So if it's 50 cents, you'd, you'd get a yeah. pretty good meal. But it was, everybody came they, and parked their cars all over there. Guys from Yorkville came over and uh, it was a meeting place. A lot of a lot of hot air was going on. Oh, I'm sure. Who was, who was, go ahead. No, the the general Jalwin uh, uh, East Side uh, playground now too, and and uh, I always say that was the coldest water at a swimming pool probably in America. I mean, it was like ice cold. It, yeah, it came from the reservoir. Yeah, and, right. I know. And the, I don't know if the if the children's home is still up there, but we the ball field there was a, they had a ball field up there. That's where we played the baseball baseball games. Okay, yeah, I think it's Nativity's practice field now. I think that's the one that you're is that one. I yeah. think so. Yeah. And my brother went to he crossed over to Nativity. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. He uh, well, I don't want to. You know, he, he played quarterback. I played center. He pitched and I caught. So he I, he played at Nativity and he went to Pottsville. One year. Wow! He crossed over, crossed over because he didn't make the first team. Uh, okay. So he said, "I'm going over there." So he went over there and he did everything. He was he was a great athlete. Nativity back then athlete. had like three, four hundred kids in a in a class, though. Too, it wasn't like Nativity of now, yeah. like you know. They had and they had good basketball, particularly basketball teams, and uh, that's where he went. But he came back the senior year. Okay. All right. Play got with, said, got to play with my brother. Yeah, that's he was, and he did. And good guy, good guy. Well, thank you so much. I know you have to run. I know you're a busy man, and uh, I can't thank you enough. I'm so happy I had you on. I'm in my basement, by the way. So if you if you're worried about me, I, I'm safe. This is just my Please. basement being renovated. I don't want you to use your like uh, thinking <laughs> that I'm a, a hostage here. But uh, I appreciate this my, it. This is my bunker. It's so beautiful. Been, yeah. Well, you down, down in D.C. area, I imagine? Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much. And, and where can people buy your book? Uh, on Amazon? I think Amazon. Okay. Uh, I don't know if bookstores or not, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, they're inviting me to back up to Pottsville for the, uh, for the uh, 25th anniversary of Vietnam Memorial, which I spoke okay. at in 1997. Yes. And they they want me to come back and I'm trying to weigh all the other commitments I have, but I'm going to try well, to make it. If you make it back up, I'll, I'll search you out and, and like to meet you in person, but uh, I'm glad we were able to do this uh, via the Well, I hope so. And please give my best to the people in Pottsville, particularly, oh, always. On, the, particularly on the east side. All right. Don't worry. I, 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 uh, I'm trying to become a charter, uh, not a charter member, just like an honorary member of the East Side. If I interview enough East Siders, maybe they'll, they'll let me in and I can get some street cred. No, and uh, say that I, I, I'm very proud of what, what they've been doing with the Historical Society there and with the sports teams. And I'm proud to be a Pottsvillian. No, they're doing and, a great job. They're doing a great job. 
Well, thank you so much, General, and uh, I will be in touch. Okay, Alfredo. Good luck to you and stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.